1: How are we supposed to start the podcast?
0: This is weird. Just cut to the music.
1: Well, what is going on, folks? Welcome to the Tracking the Storm podcast, an intro that definitely doesn't feel like I have imposter syndrome right now doing Brandon's job. We hope you've had a good week and... We are excited to bring you a guest this week, Andrew Schnitker, editor of Canes Country, the uh, blog that I happen to just have started writing for. Please go check out my first article, it's awesome. Um, and Andrew's going to be with us to talk about some stuff uh, facing the Canes this offseason, including a few big stories with Dougie and the coaching staff um, that definitely haven't been beaten to death at this point by Canadian media. So Andrew, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing well. Appreciate you guys having me on. I'm uh, looking forward to talking some uh Kane's off season.
1: And Alex, I feel bad. How are you doing today?
0: Yeah, I guess I'm just the forgotten man on this podcast. Now there's a there's a shiny guest like Andrew on the show, so you know, I'm
1: kind of yesterday's news, but I'm uh, I'm doing good, Matt. I'm doing good. Thanks, buddy. Um, just waiting a couple of weeks when we have our next guest. Yeah. This off season has been pretty uneventful so far. But, I mean, there's still plenty of stuff to talk about because the Canes, you know, have given Dougie permission to talk to other teams, which is, I guess, where we should begin because it's probably the biggest story here. Um, To me, at least, it seems like the Hurricanes are just using this to gauge what the market is for Dougie to see if it's worth keeping him around or if it's, you know, better served just maybe signing and trading him or just letting him go to free agency. Um, I don't know what you guys think, but that's at least my take on it.
0: Well, I mean, I think the whole sign and trade aspect that's seemingly coming into it is really fascinating because you don't really see this kind of thing very often, right? Because I guess from another team's perspective, the upside of doing a sign and trade for Dougie Hamilton is that you would get that eighth year on his contract. And the reason you don't really see this so often is because when it comes to a when it comes to a player that a team wants to sign for eight years, it's usually not a player that the other team is interested in trading. It's usually a guy that you'd figure to have with your core for the long haul. So it's definitely pretty unprecedented. Um, you know, I can understand from the hurricane side of things, why they might not want to commit eight years to a defenseman who's going to be 28. I think next month, uh, by the time they play hockey and this contract kicks in, he's going to be 28. Um, you know you're talking about a big a big money long-term deal for a guy that you know realistically who knows where he's going to be at towards the end of that deal um already kind of a step slow so you know you never know how those contracts are going to age and the hurricanes have made it pretty clear throughout you know the last 3 years of this regime that they're not going to pay a penny more or a year extra for anything that they don't think they're going to get full value out of so i mean i'm not really shocked that things have gone this way i'm assuming that you know as soon as contract negotiations picked back up after the season both sides were pretty clear that nothing had changed in their stance and i'm sure both sides were already kind of of the opinion that one one side would have to budge a little i guess it didn't happen so you know i guess the hurricanes are going to let him go out see what the market has to offer maybe circle back if if he doesn't like what he sees but otherwise trying to get an asset out of this would be i think it would be very good work from the regime and definitely going to be a fascinating situation to follow. Yeah, I
2: I think that's right. You know, I think it's this, this is a, this decision that the Hurricanes have to make is incredibly nuanced and complex. And the other thing too, you know, Alex mentioned that this is kind of something you don't see a lot of with um, the whole signing trade aspect. These are also kind of, unprecedented times right now with the flat cap, with everything still impacted by coming out of COVID and the economic impact that that's had. Um, and I, I think that's going to influence the market for, I mean, every player on the market this summer, but Dougie Hamilton included. And I do think, you know, like Elliot Freeman said in his report, it's not necessarily the case that him talking to other teams means he's gone. He may go out and talk to other teams and then say, oh, hey, I'm really not going to get that much of a better offer than what the Hurricanes are are willing to pay me. I might as well stay there because I think the other side of this too is, you know, the Hurricanes have a decision to make. Do they want to commit to a player like Dougie for the long haul, uh, knowing that it might hurt them down the road, but that it's going to keep them a cup contender right now. But I think he's going to make a decision too, you know, does he want to go out and maximize his payday or his contract or does he want to stay in a place where clearly he's comfortable and he's found a good fit because i don't think i don't think he's going to get both i don't think he's going to get the maximum amount that he could get from the hurricane so i think that is a decision he's going to have to make
1: yeah because i mean it was rumored that he wanted petrangelo money right and yeah if he wants Petrangelo money and he wants that contract, there's he's no not, way the Canes here. are signing no, that no. deal, you know? No. And I mean, we've seen this with how the Canes handle everything, and I don't and again, I, I don't buy into the Dundon is cheap narrative that everybody outside of the market plays. Very he he very clearly spends money on the, the actual hockey team, you know, like he spends money on what's actually going to make the on ice product better. Anywhere else what? you could argue for, but like at some point you also have to look with Dougie, when are you spending too much for a guy that's not going to produce when he's, you know, thirty four through thirty six?
0: Yeah, like the track record for these guys isn't isn't really the best. Like if you take a look at the long term big money deals, um, especially when it comes to offensive defensemen, I mean, show me a guy who at thirty four, thirty five has produced the same way he has at age twenty eight. And that's what I've been trying to kinda rationalized I guess with Hurricanes fans especially on Twitter where you know you got one extreme or the other it's either you know Stein, Dougie or thank God he's played his last game with the team just the fans are so divided on it and the narrative or the rationale I've been trying to push forward is that you can't pay a guy for his past production. Um, That's a a mistake that a lot of teams make in this league where you know Dougie Hamilton has been fantastic uh, as far as his production goes for the past three seasons where he's been probably amongst the top three to top five defensemen offensively in this game as far as point production goes but it's also a case where you can't be paying just for that past production if if you're going to be signing Dougie Hamilton to any kind of an extension you have to pay him for what you assume he's going to do uh, when he's 30 for when he's 32 and over the duration of that contract you know you you've seen a lot of teams get caught up in paying for what this player has done and that's how you get into trouble down the road I mean there's like there's two sides to it because you can have a a situation like Chicago where, you know, they knew probably full well when they signed their contracts that they did that you know we're going to be in a little trouble down the road here, but they got three cups out of it. Um, they were competitive for how long? They were probably up at the pinnacle of hockey, and you know now they're suffering for, for it. But it, it's going to come down to overall what exactly you see the production standpoint um, leveling out at for Dougie when he's 32 when he's 34 um and like I said I don't think the Hurricanes are going to pay a dollar more than they think they're going to receive value for so I think that's really going to complicate things in the negotiation yeah
1: it's it's weird because I mean like you can let Dougie walk and try and improve your team's team in other areas but are you going to get somebody on the back end that's as good as Dougie in free agency heck no and there's really no teams are looking to trade their version of Dougie Hamilton right now. You know, like it's a weird situation. And if the Canes do keep him, I do worry about them running into a bit of a Blackhawks scenario where, you know, they're paying Svachnikov, Ajo, Hamilton, tons of money. But at the same time, you know, if we win three cups, I'm not going to complain. Yeah.
0: Well, I don't think anyone's <laughs> going to complain with three cups, but you know, Correct me if I'm wrong here, but this does this kind of feel like a situation where no matter what the Hurricanes do, it's almost like they can't win. I mean, you signed yep. Dougie Hamilton, and, you know, you're probably going to regret it in the future, especially if it's an eight-year deal. But if you let him walk, I mean, good luck replacing that production. And, you know, from the optical standpoint, it looks like you might be primed to take a little step back next year unless you can improve the group in other areas. But, I mean, it's still in picking on the defensive free agent market. So I don't, I don't really know what they're going to do. Um... Another little interesting aspect as well um, Elliot Friedman reported that Seattle is going to take a very long, hard look at Dougie. And, you know, if that's a situation that you can send him to, I'm not sure if you can pull an asset out of it from Seattle. It's going to kind of wait and see thing. And I know they do have um, negotiating rights where they can sign uh, free agents before free agency, like two days before or something. And that would count as a player that is selected from whichever team that they sign that player from. So, from that standpoint, Side by then you know we're not going to re- we're not going to be re-signing Dougie um, it's just not going to happen and I'm sure they will know by then if you can kind of orchestrate a sign and trade with Seattle or even just let Dougie Hamilton be the guy that Seattle selects it would give you the opportunity to protect your other players protect Jake Bean protect Brady Shea and the other guys that you might be worried about losing so that's another kind of little s- side point that is definitely worth monitoring because this could somehow help you out in the expansion draft Yeah. Yeah, No, I,
2: yeah. Well, I I mean, I just think, you know, again, like we keep talking about it's the, the Seattle thing is interesting thing. The funny thing there for me would be, I I can remember back when the hurricanes first traded for um, Dougie Hamilton at the 2018 draft. And they took the big swing of trading um, Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin to get, you know, with Dougie Hamilton, the centerpiece coming back and everyone talking about, Oh man, this is the, Anti Ron Francis trade right here. And so Dougie yeah. Hamilton ending up with Ron Francis at the end of all that would be kind of funny. But no, I mean, I think you're right in that this is a team that is talked about wanting to take the next step, wanting to contend for a cup, wanting to push just a little bit further. It's hard to see a way to do that that involve, includes taking a sizable step back at mm-hmm. a premium position like your number one right-handed defenseman who runs your power play. Because I mean, like, you know, you said teams aren't willing to part with their versions of Dougie Hamilton. Right now, there are not a ton of versions of Dougie Hamilton. I mean, Dougie Hamilton is one of the best all-around defensemen in the NHL. So I'm again again, this is extremely complicated. I keep going back and forth between, well, you know, if they sign him and then you've got Aho, Teravinan. Svechnikov's going to come up again, probably if he signs a bridge deal. Flavin, Pesci are all going to come up during that. That's tough. But at the other other side, I'm like, if they keep him and they make those other couple little tweaks, they can win, they can start, I think, being a team that can win the cup right now. If yeah. you let Dougie walk and replace him with a much, because they're not, they're not going to get I mean, like, I, it would be a much lesser version on the right side of your blue line. I, I, I can't think of somebody that they could go out and get who comes relatively close to what Dougie provides. Um, yeah, I like, think the I best mean, unless, right-handed defenseman. they go then. for Seth Jones, right?
1: No, and I don't want Seth Jones on my team. He's terrible defensively.
2: And I don't think, I'm not sure, like... Whether I mean well, I mean I guess whether they go back to the old divisions or not, I don't think the Blue Jackets would want to give him to, to trade him to.
1: Oh, true division rivals, yeah.
2: Yeah, and I mean you'd have to pay. No, I mean so that's where I, I'm kind of like I think of that, and I'm like, well, you're gonna have to pay money, less money than Dougie wants to a free agent, or you're gonna have to pay assets in a trade, and you're gonna be getting worse in the process. so You might as well pay Dougie, yeah, and right. just live with that's the consequences fair. down the line, which. I think that's the way I'm leaning right now. But again, and I think Alex said it great when it's like there's this is kind of a lose-lose situation for the Hurricanes. You know, you sign him and you hope it helps you win in the short term, but the long-term consequences are very likely going to be there. And if you let him walk, you're getting worse at a premium position. So it, it it's this is, I think, a... As a whole, this is a regi- I think this is a regime defining off season for Don Waddell in his front office. And I think honest because like the thing is like they're gonna sign Andre Spechnikov, they're gonna sign Alex Nadelkovich, it's just a matter of for how long and how much. I think the Dougie Hamilton decision is a regime defining decision for these guys, I really
0: do.
1: And in addition, what else they do afterwards, you know, like
0: Exact yeah, because just I mean, your team, you weren't good enough this year with Dougie Hamilton. So even if you keep him, you still need to get better in other areas. Exactly. And actually, Andrew, that's one thing I wanted to kind of start discussing with you is, you know, I'll I'll kind of give my answer and then parlay, parlay this into the question and you and Matt can go at it. But as far as what the Hurricanes need to do to improve, I think we can probably all agree that they need to get a little tougher to play against. Um, you know, uh, their bottom six, lot of, lots of free agents there, lots of question marks, and, you know, even as they stand right now, you're not very physical in your bottom six. I mean, you, you've got some guys who aren't afraid to forecheck and stuff, but your most physical presence would probably be Cedric Paquette, who, I hate to try and slander anybody, but, like, let's, let's be honest, he's kind of a useless physical presence. He doesn't really give you a whole lot away from just, you know, uh, hitting people, and, I do think it would obviously, the Hurricanes would stand to benefit from adding a guy who can engage and set the tone physically and also provide something offensively or in another area of the game, at least on special teams or something, which Paquette wasn't. Uh, We've seen the Hurricanes over the past couple of years try and bring these guys in on defense as well. You saw Joel Edmondson come in. You saw uh, Yanni Pa come in. Neither guy really settled into the role that was kind of advertised or expected from them. They kind of forgot their identity or never really developed into the identity that we were led to believe that they had or were sold uh, when they came in. You know, uh, whether the Hawk and Paw trade was worth it is a combo for another day. I mean, trading my man Hayden Fleury for that, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. It's a tough one to swallow, but... um. Yeah, so I, I definitely think for me, um, the Hurricanes definitely need to get tougher to play against. They need a little more of a physically engaging presence on the back. end. mind you, I come from, you know, watching Ottawa Senators teams that had guys like Chris Neal and Zenon Kanopka and, you know, just players that didn't tolerate bullshit from anybody. So it's, it's a little different watching the Hurricanes now where they don't really have that kind of a presence. Even a guy like Michael Furlan and, you know, the, the overall game that he brought and provided to the group, they still don't have a guy like that. So for me... Getting a little tougher to play against would be, if if I was in charge, would be the main thing that I tried to fix uh, this summer. I'm just wondering what you think the Hurricanes really need to do and focus on to be able to take that next step.
2: Yeah, I think you saw, obviously, uh, forward depth was an issue. Um, when healthy, I think the Hurricanes had options for three really good forward lines with SAT and then Niederreiter, Trocek, and Natchez, and then either McGinn or Fogle with Warrens or Jordan Stahl and Jesper Foss. But even before the Trocek injury, you, take, you took away one player from that top nine in Nino Niederreiter, and it it kind of collapsed like a house of cards. I mean, the Hurricanes just couldn't get anything going offensively. Um, you, know, you look at what a team like Tampa Bay is getting scoring-wise from its third and fourth lines, and I, I think the Hurricanes just need to get a little bit deeper up front I think maybe adding a you know if they can afford it um, and this is probably an area where you look at okay this is how we get better in another area if we don't pay Dougie because I'm not sure you can do something like this and pay Dougie but maybe adding a guy like Brandon Saad in free agency who can provide you with some of that secondary scoring and that physical presence Uh, obviously they need to figure something out and I don't know if I'm not sure if this is a personnel thing because I think they have the personnel for it. And then maybe they even just need to bring in like somebody else to help on the coaching staff. They need to figure out why their power play is doing a disappearing act in the playoffs every year. They have way too much talent Mm -hmm. uh, for that to be happening. It was an issue against the lightning because you've got the lightning's power play, which is just absolutely, uh, fully operational battle station just blowing you out of the water yeah. and you are you answering that with pretty much nothing from your own power play the power play was not good against boston in the bubble the power play was abysmal the entire playoffs in 2019 against both and they overcame it against washington and the islanders and couldn't against boston so adding that little bit yeah you know kind of that guy who can score some, bring you a little bit of physical presence, just getting a little deeper offensively. And again, the power play is something that has to be figured out.
1: What I think needs to happen for the power play. And this is something that, I mean, hell, my hockey account basically is like, you know, get people to the front of the net. The Canes don't have a net front presence on any power play unit that they've iced on in any of these playoffs and it's frustrating because that's why the power play dies is because what the canes do is they run the offense through the point and the umbrella so it's going to go through Aho teravainen or Svech, it's going to go through sveshnikov Aho hamilton almost exclusively on the outside nobody's in front of the net to try and screen the goalie so the goalie's got an easy sight line of anywhere the puck goes and so if the Canes and I think Brandon Saad would be a perfect addition for that, because either he can play in front of the net or he can at least clear bodies out of the way. Because Patrick yeah, has a hell of a shot, too,
0: but he wasn't. You know, I mean, he wasn't available in the playoffs. But he's right?
1: not. He's not in front of the net in the playoffs and on the power play. And it's just like the power play frustrates me because you, like Andrew said, you've got all the talent in the world on the power play on both units, and yet you're lucky to score one power play goal every other couple games, you know? But I definitely agree. Saad would be a perfect addition to this team. It all just depends on the money. Yeah. I think we all agreed
0: how good of a fit he would be. Yeah.
1: I think, you know, when you look at Tampa, Tampa's additions from two trade deadline or yeah, two trade deadlines ago, Goodrow and Coleman, I keep bringing them up, but like, these are guys that can put the puck in the net in addition to playing physically. And that's what the Canes lack. Like again, Martin can play physically, love the guy, love what he brings to the locker room, but my God, the dude cannot finish. (laughs) McGinn. He goes on that one, like five game goal scoring streak every season and then disappears. Like Tampa's Brock McGinn is Blake Coleman. Tampa's Jordan Martinook is Barkley Goodrow, and that's significantly better than what the Canes are putting on the ice. So I think the bottom six, I mean, the middle, you could probably argue that your second line is fine, but definitely your third line needs to have more scores because it's very clear that Brock McGinn and Warren Fogle aren't goal scorers at the NHL level.
0: Well, I mean, I, there's a lot to be said about adding a sniper from outside the organization because even if you're content with your top six as it is right now, if you bring in another body to put into that mix, eventually you're gonna have a guy who you feel is good enough to play on your second line, on your third line. Which just improves the depth of your of your whole group. Like if you bring in obviously Sod is a great fit. I like Mike Hoffman too. I'm just not sure how we would clash with Rod Brindamore. You know, he's basically a a rich man's version of a Ryan DeZingle type. And we saw how that went. But <laughs> like we saw how that went. And I mean I'm, I love my ex-senators, right? So give me Mike Hoffman any day. But um, like I said, I just don't know about how he would clash with Rod Brindamore, um, the overall trust situation there. I mean, he's not going to be playing on the penalty kill or anything. But, you know, if if you could put Mike Hoffman in your top six or a guy like Brandon Sod, and, you know, these guys aren't going to be the primary matchup for the other team because even with them, you still have uh, Sebastian Aho and Table Terravine and Andrei Svechnikov and the Hurricanes' first line to worry about. So these guys are getting secondary matchups from other groups. You can definitely exploit that. Um, And, you know, if you have a second line of one of those guys with uh, Vinny Chocek and Marty Natchez, I mean, how dynamic of a group would that be? And, you know, you're going to cause all kinds of matchup problems for other teams. Obviously, you can benefit from that. But it goes back to the overall. The overall beginning of this discussion, where if you bring back Dougie Hamilton on like an eight times eight deal, um, Andrei Sveshnikov is going to get a real raise. He'll probably come in between six point five and seven based on the comparables. Um, How much money are you really going to have to bring in another top guy from outside of the organization? And that's going to be the question that the Hurricanes are going to ask. What is the their biggest need to improve? Do they need another top end scorer, or can they try and find? Maybe a balance of you know bringing in a few mid level guys on both offense and defense that can kind of round out round out their group and give them the depth across the board that they that they would want.
1: So here's my question then, Um, kind of tagging along with what you said, like if the Canes do sign Dougie Hamilton and get that done, and then all they are able to do in free agency is sign like say like new Jesper Fast. Would that do anything for the team? I I, I feel like
0: it, it depends on who you're losing too, right? Because if you're losing right. Brock McGinn and Jordan Martin, those are still holes you're going to have to replace. Like I think Morgan Geeky is ready to take a full-time role here, but in all honesty, we've talked about it on a couple of different shows that J- Jesper Faust, he didn't really add a ton to the group. Um, you know on the on the PP he was on fine. The, it, yeah it, he's fine like, on the second like, power play okay. unit though. He, yeah, he didn't really improve anything, right? He's just—it's like adding another Brock McGinn into the group. It's—he's not really a guy that—that that really changed the dynamic of your group at all. I mean, even when he was on in the top six, it felt like he was overslotted the whole year. The same way that it would feel like a Brock McGinn or a Jordan Martinook. Like you just don't want him in your top six. So it's just adding another bottom six option. And you know, at two million, that's a fine cap hit for a guy like that because if. You're going to bring back Warren Fogle. He'll probably want to raise on what he's at right now, and I'm not sure he's worth that. And, you know, Jordan Martinuk, there's going to be a team out there that's going to pay for what he brings uh, as far as his leadership goes and his energy and everything like that. I mean, we've seen what kind of contracts that guys like Antoine Roussel and Brandon Tanev and that types have got. So I don't think Jordan Martinuk is really going to have to settle for a pay decrease anywhere across this league
1: unless he wants to stay here you yeah know, unless that's, he wants that's to... also just very possible yeah. and that that yeah. kind of seems like how it's going with the canes you know announcing his injury they did that story on martin the other day like it just seems like all signs are pointing towards the canes wanting to bring this guy back or give him a proper send-off and i can't tell which, yeah which one like it if, is. if you
0: if you read the quotes that my man andrew here provided um at a schnitt 53 on Twitter. Give him a follow. Um, if you read the quotes that he provided from Martin from the exit meetings, I don't know what you guys, but from my perspective, it almost felt kind of like a goodbye.
2: Definitely. Yeah. yeah, I was, I was on those. And it, it very, like when he was talking about, like, you know, thank you, Kaniacs, I love you. Like all of that. It, it definitely it felt, felt like, like a, a goodbye.
1: Yeah. yeah. Which sucks. I mean, he this is a guy who he and his family are wonderful people Ca- yeah. They care so much about um, being here, and they love the fans. And, I mean, it just sucks. You're losing, like, a legitimately good guy if he does leave. Like, I've got nothing against Martinuk. I really like, – probably one of the nicest people you would ever meet, you know.
2: It's, yeah, it's strange, and we talked about this on our podcast. You've almost got – in Jordan Martinuk, you've got a situation we haven't really seen here where you've got a guy who – really wants to be here, wants to be in Raleigh, wants to be a hurricane. And just really both from a monetary and an on-ice standpoint, I'm just not sure that the Hurricanes can make it work. And and that's
1: kind of what COVID's doing this season. Yeah. We're
2: seeing a lot of death threats.
1: Yeah. Because, I mean, we saw Lucas Walmart, who, you know.
2: Perfect example.
1: Yeah, Probably could be a 4C on a handful of NHL teams shipped off to the KHL.
0: I mean well, he I yeah. would take Lucas Mar- Walmart Walmark any day over Cedric Paquette. I mean, come yeah. on. But,
1: <laughs> but Matt, he doesn't I don't know fit. why you're giving that face because listen Walmark doesn't play physically. If you're gonna like, put him on your fourth like, line, you might as well put Paquette there. I mean
0: I mm, I don't know. He's like he's not he's he doesn't really move center. the needle all that much, but you've like you're a little harsh. Like let's go back to twenty nineteen when Jordan Stahl was injured. Lucas Walmark did a fantastic job filling in as the two C that year. I
1: mean, and look what he's done since. The,
0: okay, nah, man, nah. okay, okay. Like he, I, I he's even also know. bounced around to a couple teams. Like he, <laughs> well, he's he had. A, like I don't, I don't really know why I'm going to bat for Lucas Walmart right now because like I'm exactly. kind of indifferent why about him. I'm a good fan of him. Like he, great, like great kid too. I mean, great guy. But
2: yeah, he's a really like, good guy.
0: Yeah, like he, he went to Chicago. He got hurt, and then he never really got settled there i guess you can say and then they shipped him back to florida where they didn't even want him last year when the hurricane sent him there so i just i can't understand what florida's doing it's like they have a vendetta against this guy that just they just wanted to ruin his career or something i don't know what they're doing but well, if
1: there's a team that knows how to ruin careers it's yeah, the Florida, Florida yeah. Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: it's but but to your point i think lucas walmart's a perfect example of a guy like you would think there's a there'd be an nhl job especially with like 12 to 14 new forward jobs just opening with the GM who drafted him. Um, yeah. Good but, point. but I don't blame a guy like Walmart for saying, you know, things are kind of uncertain with all of that in the NHL right now. I know I can go make some money in the KHL, hopefully put up some numbers. And then, you know, in a couple of years when things are a little more settled in terms of all that, maybe have a chance to go back, but yeah, so no, I, I think, you know, circling back to the whole Martin thing, that that's, and, and, I mean, the flat cap plays a factor in literally every decision that gets made in, in right now in the NHL.
1: Yeah, it's, it's so tough because, like, there are so many teams that are just really, really, really struggling for money right now. Canadian teams had no revenue this year other than, you know, TV. Like they lost all of their fan revenue because that Montreal's gotten what one game with fans so far. No, they've gotten like three or four.
0: Yeah. Three or four games now. I think three games. But But still with with like
1: less than, with less than 3000 fans, like basically you're not making any money. So it's like all the Canadian teams. And I mean, a lot of them are pretty close to the cap. Like, It's just tough. It's tough for a lot of teams right now. And this is why we're going to see a lot of guys head to Europe. Um, Drew Shore retired. Um, Now, granted, I don't think Drew Shore was going to see more than, like, you know, another two-way contract. But, I mean, this is another guy who, again, probably could have had another year or two of a, you know, NHL tweener job and just decided to retire. And I think we're going to see a handful of guys, maybe not retire. But definitely ship off to European leagues where, you know, the money hasn't been affected as much.
0: Yeah, well, uh, Joachim Ryan, uh, Kane's pending UFA, he's already gone. Uh, he oh, yeah, signed, he, he signed Sweden.
1: somewhere in Sweden. I think um, in
0: Sweden. So, you know, poor one out uh, in memory of his Hurricanes career. Uh, definitely going to go down in the books. Already replaced him, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, uh, with uh, Eric Zelena, Eric, uh, I guess we can I guess we can talk new, about him. New Joachim
2: Ryan.
1: Yeah, as as I put it in the Canes Country uh, Slack, new Joakim Ryan. Um, and I mean, you know what? Cool. He he is a depth defenseman that is thirty years old. That you know has one hundred eighty nine games of NHL experience. Like the guy can step in the NHL lineup if there is an injury on the back end. The Canes might need him to, so I think it's a good move.
2: That's exactly what you want a guy like. And I mean. I remember, like I remember him with the yeah, Devils. so do I vaguely? I think I, I think I can like remember him scoring against the Hurricanes. Which I mean, I'm sure a lot Sounds of right. Devils <laughs> players over the past handful of years have. But
0: yeah, he was actually playing with uh, Detroit Red Wings first round pick from a couple years ago, Moritz Um He was on the same pairing as him. They were actually, I think. I'm not sure if it was just by uh, Twitter standards or by the no. Actual he actually was SHL. Yeah, yeah, no, but I mean, he was like they were the apparently the best pairing in Sweden uh, this past season. Which, I mean, how much credit do you want to give to cider? How much do you want to give to uh, Jelena? But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's an absolutely risk free move, right? You bring him in. Worst case, he never plays a game for you, or that could even be the best case, right? Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, it kind of goes either way, and you know, on the flip side of that. Um, Another thing I just kind of wanted to bring up, former Hurricanes prospect, uh, 2011 draft pick who, you know, we waited years and years for for any kind of a sign in the organization. And uh, Matt, I can already see the face you're making with this one. But Gregory Hoffman signed his entry-level deal. I I don't know if it's entry-level or if it's just a one-year contract now with Columbus. And It's just a
1: regular contract.
0: Yeah, so, you know, he's actually going to get a a shot here. He's 28 years old, has led the Swiss League in scoring for the past three years. Are you going to take this seriously?
1: No. (laughs) I take no player who couldn't make the 2017-2018 Carolina Hurricanes team basically given a free road to that team seriously.
0: Yeah, but I get it. This dude wants a one-way contract.
1: It's the Swiss League.
0: Uh, I, know,
1: uh, like, he, I know
0: but it's not There's like a good reason why so many from that league before. There's a
1: reason why so many Swiss players leave to the CHL.
2: Uh, sorry.
1: Like yeah, I'm sorry it. to all of our Swiss listeners, all like three of you I'm sure, but like I I cannot take the Gregory Hoffman signing seriously. Like he just does not the dude's fast. I don't think he can produce at the NHL level. I mean, I saw nothing other than a guy that was quick uh, when he came three, I guess it was, God, four years ago now, right?
0: Yeah, 2017.
1: Yeah, so, like, it, it just...
0: Look at how his production has trended since then.
1: It's been the same, roughly. No, like, he that's...
0: scored 30 goals. My problem is that Hoffman, scoring, Hoffman, like Hoffman
1: has plateaued in that league for the yeah. past three or four years. Like, that concerns me. Because that means that there's not something higher. And, like, you know what? He's probably going to be, like, a third, maybe fourth. I'd say, like, more than likely a fourth-line guy, but on that Columbus team, maybe even a third-line player. I just don't see him being good for more than 20 or 30 points. Um, and, I mean canes were never going to give this guy a one-way contract and that just kind of goes to show you how the organization valued him like they just didn't care
0: yeah that that's fair
1: i just i don't you know wish for think,
0: success for the guy
1: i think that that bit of news wasn't even worth the amount of time we spent it on that's how much i care about no, no
0: well don't worry i'm gonna have this documented for when gregory hoffman scores 15 goals next year or 20 goals and proves you wrong
1: okay well, one thing I did want to bring up about Eric Jelenov is that the Canes have probably had their eye on him for at least two years because he did also play uh, when Dominic Bach was there. Uh,
2: okay, yeah. So they would have been they would have had been watching that team's games yeah. and been like, "Hey, okay, this is a guy who can be somewhat useful to us." Right. They in, were and, like, "Hey, a
1: year from now, when he becomes a free agent, let's take a look at signing him as a depth guy." But that's that it makes sense to me because I know that they watched him when Dominic Bach was there. And granted he didn't have nearly as good of a season um that year as he did, you know, this past season, but canes have at least had eyes on this guy for some time. So I don't know about you guys, but I think we're ready to jump into some fan questions. Yeah. Alright. Do it. Just do it. Okay, so the first one <laughs> so Andrew, this question is for you actually, I think. Uh it says, Can you Talk about David Warsawski in Chicago, just like an overview for those of us who don't follow the AHL closely, which, you know, there are quite a few of us now because we moved affiliates to Chicago.
2: Yeah, so I actually don't spend a ton of time following the Wolves. I have a um, Chicago Wolves. We have a Chicago Wolves beat writer at Canes Country who is based in Chicago who handles a lot of that stuff. Um, Sarah Avampato at Right Said Sarah on Twitter. Highly recommend following her if you want more Chicago Wolves stuff. But from what I've read in her stuff, you know, I think that Worsowski did a really good job handling a really unique situation this year with what ended up being a really good Chicago Wolves team. I mean, you think about the whole year having to, you know, kind of share between Carolina prospects and Nashville prospects. So balance a little bit of like what each of those organizations wanted, you know, kind of bring those groups together go from having a guy like Seth Jarvis at the beginning, just absolutely lighting it up to losing that guy because the NHL CHL agreement is lame. Um, and all of that. So no, I mean, I think he's done a really good job this year with some very, as has everyone, some unprecedented circumstances.
1: Yeah. Um, and I mean, I did follow the wolves a little closer this year. Um, and, I mean, Worsofsky is a solid AHL veteran. He's a guy that, you know, just really... I'm trying to think of a comparison that Canes fans would think of, but I really can't think of any. But he, he's just one of those guys that can lead a team. And, I mean, could be the captain, you know, just because of how, I mean, hell, his brother is the coach of the Wolves uh so there's there's very clearly like you know he knows how to lead a team and i mean he can contribute offensively i think um he got a little overhyped once we traded uh
2: galchenyuk
1: yeah galchenyuk thank you i why i don't know why Bear i couldn't King's think of legend, his name Alex right, right up there with patrick marlowe and james was absolutely uh and you know He he's just he's an AHL veteran at this point. I don't see him coming into the NHL roster and you know making an impact. I just think you know he is what he is, and that's AHL veteran defensemen are still valuable and they they still find jobs well into their 30s. You know, like it's not it's not like it's a useless thing. And I mean, if he can mentor you know the young group of defensemen at the Canes half coming up, like Joey Keen, eventually Anthony Honka, we hope you know a couple other guys like that. I mean, that's that's huge. Um, Here you know, let's we
2: got both Worsofsky's for you.
1: Right. <laughs> and honestly, if Dean Chanel leads, leaves the team, um, which by the way, he's been given permission to talk to other teams, I would absolutely replace him with Ryan Worsofsky in a heartbeat.
0: Don't, don't you want him running the AHL side of things though?
1: I wouldn't care. The dude wins wherever he goes. That's fair. Like, <clears throat> And speak to anybody who has played for Warsawski. that's on this Carolina Hurricanes team now, and they'll tell you he's a great coach. It's like he and Brendan Moore oh, sure. cut from the same cloth. Well, it um, could
2: almost make sense to have him up here with as you're cycling more and more guys who have played for him at the lower level up to up here too. Yeah, that's a good point.
1: Yeah, I you know I love the idea of Ryan Worsowski eventually being a Carolina hurricanes coach in some capacity, whether it's head coach when Rod Brindamore decides to call it quits or whatever, you know, but I guess we should also mention Rod Brindamore. It's been reported by like Kevin Weeks, Elliot Friedman. I'm sure Pierre Lebrun chipped in and Sarah Sivian that Rod Brindamore's contract is close to uh, being finalized. So possibly by the time you're hearing this, this is old news and Congratulations! We can avoid yet another Kane sweater meltdown. Fingers crossed.
0: I think Sarah Sivian said it was actually a few days um, away from being finalized, so we might be okay on that front. Um, I thought he was going to the Rangers, right? It wasn't wasn't that the place he was mocked to go? I mean, they got they got Gallant, So
1: everybody was mocked to go to the Rangers this not, season.
0: Not not a not a crazy step down, but I mean, it's not it's not Rod Brendamore level. I mean, I just listen, man. Um, it's it's no doubt that the Canadian media and, you know, respect to my fellow Canadians, but it's, it's no doubt that they were definitely looking for a story that wasn't there as far as, you know, what Rod Brindamore's future was going to hold. I mean, when a guy maintains the entire time that he's not going to coach anywhere in Carolina, like what in God's name makes you think that he's going to leave to coach anywhere other than, than in Carolina. Like, why don't you listen to what the man says instead of trying to make a story out of nothing? I don't know, man. Crazy concept to me. But uh, I mean, obviously, I'm not surprised by this, and uh,
1: it gets you that clicks though, man. Yeah,
0: somebody,
2: somebody got on. Somebody was on one of their like availabilities toward the end of the regular season, and asked him sp- not only about his future, but asked him specifically about like if he would look. He was looking at going to Seattle. Like, what do you think he's gonna say to that? Even yeah. if that's true.
1: People, uh, like I said last week, last week's title of the pod is aptly named. People just say anything.
0: As evidenced by Tracking the Storm host, Matt Soma.
1: Yes, uh, referencing myself there real quick. Uh, that's a real uh, big brain move here. But, I mean, <laughs> Moore was staying, and we all knew it. It's just, you know, Canadian media had to come up with something because all but one of their teams, and again, not the one that anybody wanted is in the playoffs still. (laughs) So our next question comes from Matt Mooney, and he's going to ask, with changes likely coming to the middle six and bottom six, who do you see the Canes targeting? And I know Brandon Saad has already been a guy that we've mentioned. Um, I figured we should probably talk about somebody else.
2: I'm going to look at wingers because I don't think –
1: yeah, they. I don't and think they're good help at center.
0: center. Yeah.
2: Yeah, the, which imagine saying that.
0: Yeah, years honestly. Ago, but, um, well, I mean, like right away, I, I don't, I'm not sure they'll be in the market for um, like a Taylor Hall type. I just, it depends on what the budget is and obviously what happens with Dougie Hamilton. Yeah. Right. Um, um,
2: Landis Cog would be a great option, but I think Colorado is A going to re sign him, B, I'm not sure he'd be in their price range.
1: Oh no, he's going to get even
2: even if Dougie walks. I don't yeah. think they can make that happen.
0: You know, l- looking at this list, I see a few guys that definitely make sense. Um, you know, get this out of the way here quickly. Can I interest anybody in Ryan to single? No, no, no? No. <laughs> no, no. okay, to get serious here. Um, you know, uh, a couple fits that I I can definitely see making. You know, at least a decent impact is if you're going to put them in your middle six. Um, Kyle Palmieri makes some sense. Um.
1: Would you guys pay for Tyler Bozak to be on like your third or fourth line?
0: But he's a center. I, 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 like, I, like, him a lo- I like him a lot, but I, I think I'd prefer him at center. Okay. Um, I, I like Thomas Tatar as well and uh, Mikhail Granlund. I think you can definitely get some value out of those guys. I don't think they'll be breaking the bank in free agency. Mind you, I think Granlund's a guy who's worked better at center in the past too. When he had his sixty, I think seventy point seasons in Minnesota, he was playing center. Yeah, um, hasn't quite gone as well for him on the wing in in Nashville, I think. But I think I think he's played mostly on the wing in Nashville. Um, yeah, it just hasn't really gone as well for him on, you know, out wide. But I I think he's a guy that makes some sense too. And you know, he showed in that first round series that he's got a little grit to his game, which is something I never really gave him credit for, um, especially in Minnesota, um. And yeah Thomas Tatar as well, but uh he's a guy that was he's been kind of in and out of Montreal's lineup in the playoffs, so it's kind of a, t- a- touchy situation as you know if Montreal doesn't trust him um in the most important games of their season then how how great of a fit would he really be obviously he can produce offensively, but just some question marks there
1: uh I've got two two players coming up here that I wanna talk to you guys about like which teams are gonna overpay for these guys one is. Zach Hyman yeah like Hyman is going to get like kind of almost like a Jake Gensel type contract where like you kind of know that his contract is as high because of Matthews and Marner so which team's going to give him that deal is it going to be Buffalo
0: like Zach Hyman's career high I think is 41 points
1: and granted, he would be a good third line player on the Canes. I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna sit here and say he wouldn't. I think Yeah,
0: I think someone's gonna pay him way too much. You're I think he would right. be a
1: great addition, but like you're not getting him for three million, which is the max I'd offer for him, you know? Second player, yeah. Alexander Wenberg. Who seems like
2: a Vancouver uh
1: yeah. that absolutely seems like a Vancouver. Honestly. Oh my yeah. God. Wow.
2: Both of these guys honestly could be because like these guys, I, I distinctly remember that I said, like when it was coming down the season and he was kind of in and out of the lineup and it was clear he wasn't going to be back. I said in 2019 that Michael Furland was put on this earth to be overpaid by the Vancouver Canucks and free agency. <laughs> but um, honestly, I think you could apply that description to, Basically, any free agent that I look at and I'm like, look, I can justify something for them, but I know... They're, they're going to get paid a lot more than they're actually worth
1: by the Vancouver.
2: That off. Vancouver is going to come calling.
0: You know what? To be fair to Michael Ferland, I actually don't think the deal he signed with them. I think four years at what three point two five or three point five million. I don't think that was actually crazy for him mm-hmm. compared to the the seven years, seven million deal he wanted from Carolina. Yeah, he basically took half of that to go there. Yeah, he, you know what? At that at that price, if he stayed healthy, I would take him in Carolina any day at that price. But.
1: Yeah, if he yeah, was the able to stay healthy, I'd be turn. fine. But, like, yeah.
2: But you knew that was... But the thing is, like,
1: you, you should have very much
2: well. known that was a, a risk you were taking. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And the fact that Vancouver just kind of let him continue playing that way, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to call it negligence, but that's almost what it is. But, yeah, um, Wenberg had... I mean, this is the the case of a player having one really good season and being terrible. The rest, okay, two. He had forty points uh, his second year in the league, and then fifty nine the next year. Yeah, I mean, I, talk I about that was a, in a Good direction. Talk about a decline. He had thirty. He dropped to thirty five points in sixty six games, and a lot of this is like he's had some health issues, I think, but. 25 points in 2018-19. 22 for Columbus uh, before getting traded. And then 29 points. And that's it for Florida this past year. And that's a lot uh, given, you know, the season. But this whole season did kind of feel like a fluke.
0: He scored a lot of goals, didn't he?
1: He had 17 goals, which is...
0: Uncharacteristic. Because in Columbus he didn't shoot.
1: That is more than more goals than he scored in the past three seasons combined. So don't read too much <laughs> into the whole seventeen goals thing.
0: So basically, what undefeated. you're what, yeah, so what what you're saying is you like him as a potential target for the Hurricanes.
1: I think he is going to go on the Buffalo Sabers as their big off season addition to replace Sam Reinhart and immediately request a trade.
2: What <laughs> happens? Wait, what happened to Sam Reinhart?
1: He's getting traded uh, to the Hurricanes. Come not on. Not Sam Reinhart. Sorry, uh. Jack Eichel. <laughs> What's the guy? <laughs> Who's the guy up there? Is it? No, it's not Sam, is it?
0: Sam Reinhart and Jack Eichel. Well, oh, well, it is they're Sam
1: Reinhart. Yeah, What's out? Yeah, but it's like.
0: Oh, Reinhardt... Yeah, there Reinhardt... be a hurricane? Well, who doesn't right. want out? No, no, right. we're, we're, listen, we, we are profiling no, here, okay? We are coming from the future. All right, pretend we're no, in right. September. <laughs> Sam Reinhart is a Carolina Hurricane. Come on, Andrew. Go with the program.
1: I mean, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't no, hate I, it if the Games went out it. and acquired Reinhardt for, on the cheap. I wouldn't
0: think well, they on the, they they can well, it on the cheap. I mean, come on, money. Buffalo's not going to give them away.
1: I feel like if you're the Sabres, what you really need to do, and it's going to suck for their fans, but you need to trade away those guys because the culture needs to shift there.
2: You got to just blow it up. like
1: Yeah, like actually this time. And like yeah no well. half measures yeah because what what happened and everybody was complaining when and like clowning on the savers when they fired like all of their scouts but like what the hell had their scouts done for them outside of the, se- the first round okay? yeah like it's totally fair to sit and say you know what these scouts did not get the job done for this team and this is a tangent i'm sorry folks if you're here to listen to the carolina hurricanes and like yeah
0: listen we can talk we're about, about the around, buffalo freaking uh, Sabers. Yeah, we can talk about what's going on in, in the nhl i mean they did get, do a good job finding r2 in because he looks like a really good player but i mean you've got a fair point beyond their first round drafting i mean they've just done an absolutely terrible job whiffing on top 50 picks i mean yeah you just you can't miss on those picks and i mean it's no it's no secret to anybody when you look at their draft record over the past five years, I mean, it's no wonder why they suck. Right. Yeah,
1: it's, it's bad. Um, So we'll move on to the next question now. Um, And that is coming from, again, if I butcher your name, please tell me, I think it's a surgeon on Twitter saying one to two defenseman options. You'd like to see brought in, in the event that Dougie walks. Um, and Um
2: it, It's not, it's not, if we're talking trade, I will say the one and, um, Brett and I, Brett Finger and I, discussed this on our Canes Country podcast at the trade deadline when the Hurricanes were on their like right-handed defenseman crusade. Like, if they could um, have gotten, this, made the money work to get this guy in, now it's almost a backfiller for Dougie. Um, Matt Dumba is one I would look at trade-wise. Yeah. Um, I don't yeah. know how big. much making the playoffs this year has changed Minnesota's plans in terms of moving some of those guys I know if you look at them in terms of the expansion draft, they're kind of in a weird spot with some of their new, no move clauses but um, if you look at free agency like
1: Tyson Berry is your, is your it's best
2: thin. option it's
1: and Tyson Berry is significantly worse than Dougie Hamilton in like every yes. possible way um, David Savard have... obviously isn't offensively gifted but he's a guy that could stable you know your top four or really your second or third pairing and you'd be happy with it
0: adam larson too
1: yeah and again like these are guys most of the guys you're getting in free agency just in any year not even just in this year aren't going to be top offensive defensemen teams don't give those up um,
2: well, if you thought you had issues with Dougie Hamilton defensively, I, I can assure you you're not going to feel better about Tyson Berry. Oh, no, God. The...
1: It's, and it's like I wrote an article the other day, and thank you to everybody who did comment on it, but, like, Jake Bean is going to be fine. Like, but Canes fans, oh, I okay. think, would would bring torches and pitchforks to games if they had to watch Tyson Berry and Jake Bean on the same defensive Oh, game.
0: my God. Oh, my God.
1: Like I'm not even gonna lie, that even stresses yeah. me out. And like I'm going, I'm trying to go to bat for Bean because I think there's more to his game. <laughs> not
0: to mention, if you uh, if the Hurricanes have any plans to revive Jake Gardner and you throw him into that mix too, I mean, my God.
1: Yeah, like, and that's why I'm I'm thinking. You know what? If you tr- if Dougie walks, bringing in Savard might not be bad because he does play. You know, he does have a physical edge, and he plays fairly well defensively. You know, like I just okay. You know
0: what? You know what? Hear me out on this, both of you, okay? Where I'm going to go with this, there's a guy in Anaheim with Anaheim Ducks that makes a lot of sense for what this group needs. Josh Tim Manson? Fowler,
1: I totally agree.
0: I, lo- I loved Josh Manson as, a poten- as the potential pickup when they were looking at the trade deadline.
1: Me too. I know who you're mentioning, but we're just going to... Hayden?
0: You. No, no. I'm, <laughs> I am talking about Josh Manson. Uh, and mind you, he only has one year left <laughs> on his deal now. But I, I I think as far as stabilizing the back end goes uh, with the gritty, big physical presence who, like I said earlier, isn't a useless physical. Like this guy can play. Uh, I know. I watched Ducks games this year because of Hayden Fleury. But yeah, like this guy, he's a good Shout out to you for that. Yeah, oh, it, it was painful, man. I would rather watch my Senators any day than those guys. But, you know, so poor one out for Hayden Fleury for having to be in that environment. Deserves better. Should have been on the roster. Could have made a difference in these playoffs. There's no changing my mind on that. But I, I do think Josh Manson would be a great fit. Um, You know, you, you you have him beside maybe uh Brett. No, you'd probably have him beside, like, what, a Brady Shea? And then you can, if, like, I'm talking if you don't have Dougie Hamilton in the mix. you you reunite Jacob Slavin and Brett Pesci and then maybe a second pairing of, you know, Brady Shea and Josh Manson. And that's a pretty solid top four. Obviously you'd have to stabilize your bottom pairing from there. Depends if Jake Bean fits into the mix. Um, And, you know, you might have to bring in another body if you don't plan to re-sign Hawkenpah or, you know, it depends what direction they choose to go in from there. But I think Josh Manson for the right price. Could definitely make a lot of sense on a lot of levels. You know, it's a big question, too, of what they're going to do in the expansion draft as far as who they're going to protect. The the Ducks athletic writer actually has them protecting four defensemen, which includes Hayden Fleury in that mix um, and Josh Manson as well. But, you know, if they go the seven and three route, if they choose that, you know, hey, we liked what we saw from Hayden Fleury, we saw enough from him that they want to keep him as part of their future, which their athletic writer, Steven. Steven, oh, I forget his name, but whatever, Steven, whatever, he said, you know, that we, that he, the Ducks feel that Hayden Fleury can be part of the solution of fixing their defensive problems and uh, rebuilding their back end. Um, if they feel like they want to keep him and maybe move Josh Manson along, bring in an asset or two for him. I think it would make a lot of sense for the Hurricanes from, you know, a variety of levels. And he would definitely come in cheaper than Dougie Hamilton if you'd like to extend him.
1: So, Alex. I don't know if you remember the trade deadline episode that we did, but do you remember when a certain very attractive co-host of this podcast, uh, with the initials MS, mentioned that the Hurricanes could explore acquiring Manson after the expansion draft, once you know the dust settled a little bit?
0: Listen, after the <laughs> trade deadline. I was in a bad head. Right? How, how are you going to trade Hayden Flurry, man? I'm, just, I'm not living that down. You're telling me he so, went to stabilize that Everything Anything third in the before playoffs?
1: has been repressed. Yeah. Like, um,
0: man, but yeah. Just, I, I've canceled that out of my life.
1: I absolutely believe that the Canes could look at acquiring a guy like Manson for the that right just makes price. makes so obviously. much sense. Because, I mean, the Canes were reportedly in on him. And uh, granted, he might not be the guy, but. If you're looking for somebody to maybe stabilize your defense because you know you need that right now, there are worse guys that you could go for, and um, honestly, like I don't know, it almost makes too much sense, which is why I feel like you know some team like Colorado is going to pick him up and you know screw with us. But um,
0: I will say this though if they do acquire a Manson, t- like specifically Josh Manson at this point, it's not going to feel like a little bit of a disappointment where. You know that's the guy you should have went for at the deadline instead of a Yanni Hawkenpa who didn't really shift that dynamic for you at all. If you would have brought in Manson at the deadline, it could have maybe propelled you forward a little. You would have yeah. gotten more value from the asset uh, as far as what I you're mean, giving up.
1: It does. It does. That does make sense for me though. It's like you know,
0: hindsight is twenty twenty.
1: Yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty, and also the Canes might not have felt comfortable risking losing Manson in expansion, and I think with yeah. a lot of teams that's why we didn't see any huge moves this year you know other than the uh jacob rana anthony mantha trade like
0: yeah because those are guys that either team is going to protect anyway
1: right like they just um <laughs> so i at least poked her head and was like Hi. what's going on um but so these are teams that you know are worried about expansion and I meant to bring this up at the beginning of the podcast, and I forget who tweeted this today. It was somebody not in Kane's Twitter, um, basically saying that what they think, like why there's so much hype surrounding this expansion draft is because a lot of hockey media folks are trying to cover up for the fact that they were so wrong about Vegas and their success. So they're trying to overhype Seattle in the hopes that they're right again, if that makes any sense, you know? Yeah, And so, like, while I think Seattle is going to have a fairly competitive team right out the gate, I don't think they're going to be as good as they've been hyped up to be. But that's just me.
0: Well, man, like, you just hope to God that GMs have at least learned from the mistakes that these guys made uh, at the Vegas expansion draft. Just, you know, just giving star prospects and stuff away for free. Will oh, um,
1: happen?
0: <laughs> just like, wait. It, it, no, it's it's like it's gonna be a mess. But I'm just hoping for you know my sanity's sake that these guys at least learned a little because you know anyone who talks about hockey, uh, if you follow the contract side and stuff close enough, it's no secret to anybody that NHL GMs, some of them just aren't very smart, right? Like, let's be honest. Gene
1: Benning's gonna give them like, uh. I'm trying to think of who their best prospects are. like Tyler Madden, a couple other guys so they can keep Michael Furland at this point.
0: <laughs> oh man. man, like GMs just are not very smart. And um I know. you know, nice, we saw that bad. firsthand obviously in the in the, the Vegas debacle, I guess you could call it now. But um yeah, I I mean, I mean I'm with you. I don't think Seattle will be quite as strong as Vegas was because I'd like to think that GMs, especially the GMs that got fleeced in that scenario, would at least learn from their past mistakes and won't repeat them. But
1: oh, like I said, summer child.
0: Like, like I said, man, um, NHL GMs, they'll surprise you with uh, how right. dumb some, some moves they make can be.
1: So, um, next question is from Luke Scholl, and it's not really more of a question. It's more of just like specific free agency targets. Friend um, of the pod, Luke Scholl. Friend of the pod, yes. Uh, we are going to, I'm just going to like wrap. Fire out the name. You guys just give me like kind of rapid thoughts on them. Cool. Uh, So the first is Jaden Schwartz, who is 29. His cap hit this past season is 5.35. He's probably going to have about the same if he doesn't uh, stay in St. Louis. What are you guys' thoughts?
2: I think he's a good fit. Yeah, I'm not sure I would give him quite that much because I know he's got um, he's got quite the injury history. But I I think he's a decent fit to provide some secondary scoring.
1: And um, his possession numbers are great. Like, dude, dude controls offense and really limits defense. Kind of like yeah. a he's diet Tavo Teravainen. Yeah,
2: yeah. Her, he's diet
1: te- And again, like I've said, Tavo Teravainen is one of the best and most underrated defensive forwards in the NHL. Because Alexander yes. Barkov is no longer underrated because everybody talks about him. <laughs> so next is Ryan Nugent Hopkins made six million dollars at age twenty-eight.
0: Yeah, there's there's been a lot of talk about Nugent Hopkins from a lot of different fan bases around the league. I think he would obviously be a great fit. Um I think I like him more at center than on the wing, but mind you, I mean he you wanna talk about underrated defensive forwards. He's up there with them. Um yeah. He he's a great two hundred foot player. Uh his production was down a little this year. I know because I, I hear about him on Ottawa radio every morning. They want him here in Ottawa. Um <laughs> so I hear about him a lot. Um but yeah, he's, I mean, he's a guy that can definitely stabilize probably your second line. I think he's a second line guy at this point of his career. Um, and, you know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't take a shift off um, good 200 foot player. And I, I think he's going to get a lot of money. So I don't really think he'll be in the mix for the Hurricanes because I do think someone will pay him good money. Yeah. But do uh, I Do mean, you the, the Oilers
1: letting him go because I mean, he really is the only other guy besides dry saddle and um McDavid on that team that can
0: score like I don't really follow Oilers Twitter all that much but kind of from what I've seen from their fan base is that it kind of feels like Edmonton is only going to be able to sign um one of him Adam Larson and I think there's one other guy in the mix
1: Darnell Nurse right
0: um I don't know I don't think it was him I think it was like a lower level guy. oh Tyson Barry that's who it is is. I knew it was a defenseman yeah yeah one of the three
1: Okay, and then next is Nick Bugstad, uh, who was 28, cap hit was 4.1, but due to his past couple of years, um, you could probably get him on the cheap, just given his past production. Yeah,
0: it's like a bargain bin signing, right? Kind of like, kind of doesn't really move the needle, and it'd be kind of disappointing if that's your one move. Um, I don't know, I'll let Andrew take away this one.
2: Yeah, I th- I think he does. You know, maybe he's a buy-low bounce back candidate, add some size. Um but I, I think he's the kind of guy you're looking at in that bargain bin if you pay Dougie. Like if right. you don't have a lot of money to make a big addition. Um in which case, you know, you you've got Dougie back, so you're maybe you're okay with that. But if you're if Dougie walks and you're looking to spend that money elsewhere, I would I yeah, yeah, I would hope for a higher. Uh, level uh, yeah, even higher that. than
0: that.
1: I mean, hey, I think it. he would be an improvement over Martinuk on the fourth line, um, but I'm not... If he wants anywhere above 2000000 million, I'm not giving it to him because he no. hasn't been good. Um, I wouldn't hate that signing if the Canes made another, at least, I wouldn't say huge, but like a medium move to improve the team, you know? And last question we've got for the night is from Sam Kinney at Kinney the KinneyTheKaniac. And then how did each of you become Canes fans? So we'll let future Canes start because I feel like he has the most interesting path to becoming a Canes fan.
0: Well, I actually um, put out a tweet about this. I can probably summarize it better than I could. Um, in actual, like, with my actual words. But um, basically, when I was young, uh, I'm talking about like five years old, um, I went to an Ottawa Senators game with my dad and they just so happened to be playing the hurricanes. And that was my first year of starting out minor hockey in Ottawa. Um, and I wanted to play goalie at the time. Uh, and then I saw Arthur Zierbe who was starting for the hurricanes that night. And, uh, you know, just the whole aura about him, uh, his pads, just how he looked in net, how unorthodox he was. And I was like, man, I want to be him, you know? So basically that's kind of how it started. Um, he was basically my idol. I wanted to be Arthur Zerbe until I realized I sucked at goalie uh, when I first started playing hockey. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, gave up on that dream, but, um, I, you know, I started cheering for the hurricane just because of Zerbe, And then from there I started, uh, I started liking Rod Brindamore. Uh, he was my first hurricanes Jersey and, you know, Eric Stahl and all the other guys. And I just, I stuck loyal with the team, um, ever since then through all the bad years, um, Despite all the people, all my friends and stuff in Ottawa being like, you know, why do you cheer for those guys? They're not good. You know, the Sens are going to the Eastern Conference final and the Sens are going to the playoffs and and uh you know, so I got a lot of grief from it, but uh you know, glad I stuck with them. Uh, always been loyal to them since about two thousand two, two thousand three and uh, you know, wouldn't trade it for the world.
1: And this fan base is better for having you. So there we go. I,
0: I hope so I hope I'm contributing.
1: All right, Andrew. Take it away.
2: Uh yeah, so, I mean, like, I've been, like, you know, liking and enjoying the Hurricanes pretty much as long as I can remember. Like, when I was a kid, um, my dad worked at Rex Hospital, and they had, like, a deal with the Hurricanes. They would do, like, Rex nights where, like, the employees could get, like, really cheap tickets to go to the games with their family. So, we would do go to, like, all of those every year. Um, it was one of those we were at in the 2009 toward the end of the regular season it was the it was the game against the penguins that they won in overtime uh anton Babchuk with a cannon of a slap shot won the game in overtime sent them to the playoffs and i i just remember being in that the building that night and they clinched the playoff spot with like an overtime win and it was just so exciting and that was kind of how what like got me really into it so i watched like all the playoff games that year got really into it and then like going from forward from there, went to more games, watched all the games. Uh, when I was in high school, me and one of my friends had like a mini plan every year. So yeah, that was kind of my big moment that really got me into hockey and really like sports in general, because hockey was the first sport that I really got like diehard into. So
1: I'll go next, I guess, because um, Brandon's not here. And Brandon, I'm sure you have an interesting story that you'll just have to lead off with next time. We're volunteering you to do that. Um. So I, my grandpa used to take me to the practices when I was like a toddler, like two or three. I don't remember any of that. I just remember that my family telling me like, I would not stop like watching the plays happen. Um, and I mean, growing up as a kid, you know, I, I was four when we went to the Stanley cup final in 2002. Um, sorry to all of our older Canes fans. I'm probably just aged you about three years. <sighs> um, and, you know, kind of sort of understood it, but my fandom really took off in 2005. My dad started working uh, part-time for the Hurricanes just on the merch team. Um, and, you know, that was obviously the year we won the Stanley Cup. And so we, we started, you know, gradually becoming bigger fans. Um, I remember my siblings and I um, during the Canes games when you guys remember there was an era where not every Canes game was on TV. Uh, we'd have the game sheet pulled up on the computer and we'd wait for it to refresh. And, you know, we'd pace around the room waiting for, you know, an update on the score of the game because we cared, you know, we wanted to see the Canes winning. Um, And it gradually just kind of became like more of a thing for me. It became more of an obsession. I've always said, you know, I started following the prospects roughly around 2014 when Francis took over very casually at first, but like i mean as we all know the future of the team was the only thing to get us excited about the carolina hurricanes for those years um and so yeah i mean fandom really started early on and then i'm just lucky to have you know met so many amazing people through this because i mean it's it's crazy i never thought that this would actually turn into like a podcast or like a blog or anything like that it's it's wild to me
0: yeah same thing for me up here in ottawa right um basically the whole reason I joined I started at Kane's Facebook and graduated into Kane's Twitter um basically just so I could talk to other Hurricanes fans right I mean I feel like I'm talking to anybody up here in Ottawa about the Hurricanes and the whole time it's like either it's in one in in one ear out the other or just you know shut the hell up kind of thing uh like no one cares right so I just got involved uh just to give my opinions on the Hurricanes and just talk hockey with other fans and you know definitely never expected to get the platform that I did um I, whether I had the followers I have today or if I was still at like 200, like I was stuck on for a while, um, I would tweet the same, um, just the same stuff and, you know, glad that I I have the opportunity to talk to all the fans that I do and that people actually, you know, care to listen to my opinion. So, um, it's definitely nice uh, having that connection to the team from up here where it feels like, you know, obviously such a ways away. Didn't even get to see them live at all this year. Um, but, you know, the engagement that I have with guys like you um, and everyone else on Twitter makes me feel like a part of the group, right? So uh, it, it's it's a good feeling to have.
1: All right. Well, Andrew, before we uh, close up shop for the night, I guess, is there anything that you want to promote, anything you want to plug, anything you're working on right now that you would like Canes fans to know about?
2: I will have a story on Alex Ndilkovich up, uh, I guess, today, whenever this podcast goes up on uh, com, And be sure to check out all of our other writers great work over there uh, we have a podcast as well if you guys want to check that out yes matt is the newest member of our team so be sure to check his stuff out he's got a really great story up this week on the impact of rookies he'll have some prospect stuff up next week be sure to follow us at kane's country on twitter so you can see all of our stuff when it drops
1: and once again that's a schnitt 53 uh, for his personal tweets which are mostly you know related. It. kane Canes-related, Wolfpack-related, Sadness, Chiefs-happiness.
2: Yes, if you are an (laughs) NC State baseball fan as they head to Omaha this weekend, I will also have everything you could... Hopefully, everything you could want about that.
1: Well, folks, again, we kind of ended this on talking about fandom, and I just want to say it's been really wonderful watching the fan base... um, not even just grow explode over the past uh handful of seasons and whether you've been a long-term fan whether you're you've caught on in the past five years or so or whether you're brand new like it's awesome seeing kane's fans getting together kane's fans talking just seeing the community bond over something and connect have something to connect with um you're all amazing and folks as always It's a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan.